Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. My name is Roger Nairn and I'm the director of marketing for Man Talks. And I'm Connor Beaton, the founder of Man Talks. The goal of this podcast is to bring you inspiring men and inspiring conversations and bring you the men that are making a difference in the world. Today, we're bringing you an extremely special guest, Mr. Vikram Vij. Uh, he's the co-owner of the world-famous Vidge's restaurant in Vancouver, as well as the Rangoli restaurant, Vidge's inspired Indian cuisine, uh, Vidge's Railway Express food truck, my Shanti restaurant. He's also written numerous cookbooks, as well as appeared, appearing on TV, uh, including Top Chef Canada, Chop Canada, Recipe to Riches, Dragon's Den. He's seriously larger than life. That's one hell of a resume. Uh, this was, <laughs> and this is one hell of an interview. It was absolutely incredible and inspiring, and we look forward to uh, letting you learn as much as possible from it. So ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you Mr. Victor Vidge. Excellent. So Vikram, uh, before we get started, uh, why don't we just set a little context for listeners, hoping you can tell us uh, what it is that you do and how you got into it. Well, I'm uh, Vikram Vidge. I'm the uh, chef owner of, uh, a co-owner of Vidge's restaurants and Vidge's empire, uh, hopefully one day. And um, what do I do? I run the organization. I run, uh, I'm the CEO. I, I kind of give a vision, but it's not, it's not just an individual effort. It's a team effort. We have a team of four senior managers that work with me. Very cool. Very cool. And so what kind of like led you on the path to wanting to do this? Like, did you grow up as a kid and, and was this always your dream or, you know, did you have a couple turns along the way that led you to this path? How did you, how did you find yourself here? You know, I always uh, loved cooking and my grandfather uh, used to love uh, drinking. So every time uh, we were uh, together, he would say, let's open up a restaurant together so that I could cook and he could be the bartender of the restaurant so that he could be hammered all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so ever since that young age, it was in my head that I wanted to open up a restaurant for my grandfather. So the name Vidges is actually to honor him. Uh, and his last name was Vidge. Um, and so the path was, it was pretty clear. It's not like, look, I was not too smart or I wasn't intelligent enough to be either a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. But I wanted to be a Bollywood actor. I wanted to do stage acting. And I think having a restaurant or opening a restaurant up at 5.30 when the curtains are drawn is like performing on stage, you know. You can't be saying, well, my body hurts or my finger is not feeling well. It's like, you know, the show's on and you got to go out and perform. Yeah. And so that's how I feel about the restaurant. So the, those turns were basically just small issues. But in Heart of Hearts, I always wanted to, uh, you know, have a restaurant of my own and bring awareness to my cuisine and my culture up. And what, you, why do you think uh, you were attracted to that Bollywood, uh, you know, the, 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 the stardom and, and the whole acting industry? Well, it's not that I was attracted to the, the Bollywood industry. I really loved stage acting. I loved improvisation. I love like, I, if, I, if I had the musical notes, I would have loved to be a musician. If I, uh, you know, if I was thin enough, I would have loved to be an actor in that sense. I, I just felt in my own mind that I wanted to perform. I was always a social, outgoing guy, loved talking to people. You know, even in, on the street when I meet somebody, I'll just wave at them, you know, and, and say hello to people and stuff. That was my nature. Uh, it was nurturing when people came to my house for uh, 
you know, I always, I was the first one to say, do you want a cup of tea? Do you want some sandwich? I made this for you. I made that for you. And I was always that kid who always did that uh, for people. So I, I felt as if I was, I belonged to the industry of uh, welcoming people. And restaurant industry is that. Right, yeah. So, yeah, so that expression came came through at an early age, and and would you say that that is what is that? As you, as you can hear, we're actually in the restaurant right now, and, and we got the ladies cooking in the background. So, but is it the expression um, that you see in, in your cooking? Is that the same sort of expression you saw when you wanted to be an actor? Well, the expression is uh, a little bit of who Vikramvij is, which is Indian, born and brought up there, but having. Uh, you know, learnt and honed his skills in Austria and in, in great kitchens. So what you get at on the plate here is exactly what Vikramvij and Miru, who have created a, you know the restaurant together, this is our child basically. And, and what you get on the plate is a, a child, is a fusion of both of us coming together. And I and I believe that it's the same thing as stage acting. You know, you have great directors and you have great. Uh, sound, but you still have somebody who's to perform at the acting. So I'm the actor in the front, whereas you know Miru manages the or choreographs that whole beautiful uh, dance and song that happens at the restaurants. Very cool, very cool. I mean, it sounds like um, passion is a really big part of your life and a, and a driving factor, and you know it has been for me as well. I think. Passion's kind of been that guiding factor. That's why I got into classical singing, and that's why I've, I followed that the arts there, and that's why, you know, Man Talks exists. That's why this exists. So I'm, I'm curious, like, what does passion mean to you, and, and how has that been sort of the driving factor? Passion is to be translated as highly focused person. Passion is your love, your first love. So this restaurant industry or this uh, cooking is my first love. It has to be. So passion has to be a first love, and focus has to be a second love. And that, they have to match. The first love and the second love have to live together in order to create something, a much positive energy. And I think when you have successes like this, it's uh, a formula called E is equals to MC squared. You know, you need the passion and you need the focus in order to create an energy that's bigger than an an atom bomb and that's how I see this very cool very cool and so you know on that on that line passion has really been the driving factor to get you to success basically yes hard work has hard work work has gotten me to where I have gotten passion has been the fuel to drive uh, for me to get up in the morning and work hard and, and say yes I'm doing it because because I'm so passionate about it it's not hard work anymore it's just beautiful it's like coming to work it's like let's go and hang out yeah well how how wrong could you be there's music playing you're cooking you got vegetables right here you're gonna cook have a great time together yeah at 5 30 when people come in you welcome them it's not like i'm in a hospital where sick people are coming in i'm in a restaurant where people who are coming in who are beautiful who are on dates who are having fun even if they're having a little tiff, it's like, you know, the food. It's almost like the food is the, is the, is the calming factor between whatever people are doing. Food and wine makes people just relax a little bit. And I sincerely believe this, that I think f- cuisines are food and music will solve the problems of the world. Because if you eat together and you listen to music, there's no boundaries. You can always eat together and listen 
to music. Guns and politics are not going to solve the yeah. problems. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's there's uh you know, there's some really transformative power behind music and the, and the fact that, you know, music is used in therapy, right? So there's there's actual like music therapy forms out there to help people cure their ailments and help them get past speech impediments. I mean, there's so much to it, right? Um but I kind of want to like back the train up. You you mentioned that you went to Austria. Can you give us that can you give us that journey and how you ended up in Austria because I wouldn't I wasn't expect I wasn't expecting that I was kind of expecting the journey you know right from uh, your from your home all the way to Canada so can you kind of give us the timeline? Well, uh, 1984, Indira Gandhi, which is the Indian Prime Minister at the time, attacks a very important um, a religious temple in India where I was in the town of, mm-hmm. and I knew that uh, if I stayed there longer, somehow some harm would come to me because. Uh, at that time, the religious fanatics were just hurting people, and I was of that of the minority religion at the time. Um, and so, my father said, "Get the hell out of the town." And I took the last train, and I left that town and went to Bombay, and uh, applied to the school in Austria for hotel management. Now, my father had enough money to pay for my education, so I was I was able to board the plane to Austria at the age of nineteen. Uh, hadn't spoken any German yet. I didn't even know what a seatbelt was. I mean, I sat on the plane because I'd never sat on a plane before. And I'm sitting on the plane and the air hostess comes and says, put on the seatbelt. And I'm like, what's a seatbelt? <laughs> <laughs> so I never sat on a plane before. The first time I land into Austria and I don't speak a word of German. And I'm like, hmm. Uh, anyway, I figure it out. I get to the school. And I, I think those uh, levels of figuring out stuff at the age of 19 on your own gives you that platform to say, if I can do this, I can deal with a lot of shit in my life, you know, and 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 you end up dealing with a lot of shit in your life. Um, and so nine, Austria was six years approximately. And then I was uh, cooking at a restaurant where the general manager of the Bam Springs Hotel was just having dinner. And he said, um, hey, I want to have something spicy. I had some spices in my uh room. I went down, made him a nice little soup. He loved it. He said, hey, listen, guys like you should come to this country. You have the passion to cook. You enjoy good food. Uh, I said, yeah, okay. And I applied to him. And six months later, uh, I got a visa to come to Canada. And he gave me a one-way ticket as well to entice me so that I would make that move from Austria to Germany, uh, Austria to Canada. So hence, my move came along. But I really do believe that Sometimes these small little catalysts and things in life, you know, make things happen and you meet and you things go in your right direction. I don't think it's always a planned thing. Sometimes you just, things happen and you go on this path and then you figure out and sometimes the path leads you to success and sometimes the path leads you to a failure and failure is part of life. I I think that... What you just described to us seems like a defining moment, and, and we, we, we like to say that you know defining moments are a big part of men's lives, and, and to me that sounds like a very big defining moment. If, you're, if, if you were speaking to somebody out there who um, is perhaps trying to, to listen for that time in their life or, or try to uncover what that time in their life is, how would, you, how would you say that they need to keep themselves open to... Well, I, I would say, <clears throat> you know... My saying is, there's two things in life you never know when they're going to come. One 
is you never know when a customer is going to walk in and you never know when your death is going to come. Right? So always be prepared. Always put out the best foot forward and always hope that somebody out there will watch and grab you. It's like fishing in the ocean. You know, you, you can only throw your net in there. You can only work hard. But if you're going to grab a fish at the end of the day, nobody knows. So you might go on a successful path and you might not. And you might be just one of those donkeys that's toiling away like crazy. That's life as well. You know, it's part of life. You can't, you can't uh, say that there is no pill for success. It's not a formula for success. A plus B is not equal to C. One plus one is equal to two. But A plus B is not equal to C. So it's a different formula, and you've got to just keep hoping that sometimes something will work for you. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like you've, you mentioned failure, and you mentioned you know there isn't really a, a formula to success, and I, I would agree 100% um, just from my own life and the journey that, that I've kind of been on. But I'm curious as to you know what, what were maybe what was a moment where you kind of felt like you were going in one direction and life handed you a curveball and sent you sent you in a very different direction. Um, whether, it was, whether it was a failure or not, but I, I think, you know, what was one of those moments that kind of spun you in a different direction? I think my, um, this happened to me in 2007 or 8, yeah. approximately, uh, seven or eight years ago. I was making a lot of money in these two restaurants. I was doing extremely well, and I suddenly decided to open up a production facility. So I went and bought a piece of land, and I opened up this production facility, this huge one, and it was supposed to be like a $4.5 million production facility, and it became a $6.6 million product. So $2 million on top of it. Now, well, that was literally like these two restaurants were making a shitload of money, and that one was just burning a shitload of money. Yeah. You know, So it was like, oh, my God. There were times when we didn't know how to uh, make a payroll. So... These things were going so well, and then that one was the was was like a big hole. Yeah. And I felt there were times when I felt that I didn't need to buy the land, I should have not done this, but I also still felt really confident that I know that my product is good. I know my flavors are good. I just need to stick it out, and, you know, I brought along. So it's been seven years now, and I think in 2000 and end of 2015 or beginning of 2016, we will finally turn the ship around a little bit. It will come out of the weeds. We'll be able to regain the money that we've been making and retain it a little bit further as well. Uh, and I think the, the, the sad part of that is that it was um, so tumultuous at times that I almost times gave it up and said, I don't think I can do it. And then I would wake up in the morning and say, no, fuck, I can do it. I need to do it. I need to do it for what the focus was. Because at the end, I believed in that food. That food that is at, at Vigis at Home Line is delicious, it's comfort food, it's flavorful, and it's done with all the love. So I, I, I couldn't give it up, and I haven't still given it up, even though every pundit has told me, you know, oh my God, you're losing 40 grand a month. You should maybe quit, maybe do this. And I haven't. Yeah. And I don't think I will. And this year, you know, I'm hoping that we will turn the ship around a bit. Very cool. I think, I think one of the things that I really appreciate you, just in, just in the short amount of time that we've got to, to talk, 
is what I usually refer to as relentless optimism. Yes. Right. And there's there's a there's a sense of, and I think that that really taps into the the willpower that a lot of people speak of when it comes to a achieving or attaining or being able to do the things that you ultimately want to do in life, whether it's music, whether it's culinary art, whether it, like whatever it actually is, relentless optimism seems to be this like catalyst. So have you always had that? Like has relentless yeah. optimism just always been within you? Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's been, um, it's not, I won't say relentless optimism. Uh, it is optimism to say, if I do five things, then I will achieve that goal that I want to achieve. Mm. So it's not just like pure optimism out of the blue that, oh my God, God's going to take care of me. Not that kind of shit. More like, okay, I need to be strategic here. If I need to do this and I, I need a marketing manager, I need a sales manager, I need this, 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 and this. So those are strategic thought processes. So it's optimism that I can be, a, my optimism is that I can lure somebody in with my conversations and my talk and say, hey, work with me. I promise you will be, you know, satiated and well taken care of. And um, that is the kind of optimism that I, I believe in, not just blind optimism, because blind optimism has no, no depth to it, right? It has to be optimism that, yes, I believe in this and, uh, and I can do it. But in order to have that optimism, you need to have a passion that is fueling constantly that, that optimism. And I think uh, that, Roger, is to me uh, an angle of where... Anybody else can tell you that this is wrong, but if you believe that this is right, then you got to go for it. If you believe that this is right, you got to go for it. And funny, today, this morning when I was driving in, CBC had this huge documentary about a guy who created cell phones. And it was incredible. And incredible to see that Motorola sitting there would have said, and he actually called up the AT&T guy to say... um, I'm calling you from a cellular phone. (laughs) And the guy went, what? Yeah. And so to to have that relentless thought process, I mean, that was motivating. I was coming out here and I was thinking and I'm saying, that's ballsy. That's what you need to do. I want to be able to one day take my food from here to India and say, look what I've done for you. I have created a cuisine that is Indian with Indian spices, but I live in Canada and I've used the Canadian chickpeas and I brought it back. That's the kind of uh, desire that I have one day. I want to be that guy who calls up the prime minister of India and says, I got some chickpeas for you made by an Indian, but in Canada. Right. <laughs> Very cool. Vikram, well, do you have a definition for success? Success is if you're happy with yourself. Success is if you feel that you have achieved what you wanted to achieve, if you are loved by the people, if the people look at you and say, you know, uh, he's, he's a nice guy or she's a nice uh, person. I think that's success. Not the cars that you drive or the home, because you came empty-handed into this country. You're going to go back anyway, empty-handed. The, the man who built the Taj Mahal also still left the Taj Mahal back. So you're not going to take anything back with you. What you're going to take back is, are people going to talk about saying, you know, he, he, he did something different. He, he did uh, legacy, I think, is more important than success. I think... Uh, having the vision to say that's a legacy. I mean, you look at Henry Ford, for example, or you look at Gandhi, for example. Those are legacies. Not how much money they had and what kind of cars they drove or how much, which homes they lived in. Who cares? Who really cares 
uh, who, how much money you have. I mean, Ford, dro- Ford drove a Ford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was very, I eat Indian food all the time. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's not like I eat caviar and I serve Indian food. I eat Indian food every day, peasant food, lentils and rice and, and, and uh, chicken curry. So what's, um, like, who's somebody that really personifies your, your definition of success? Or, or who's somebody that's been a mentor to you that's really been a, a guiding light? <clears throat> I don't think I've had many mentors in my life. Every field that I do, I have a mentor in. Every, every area I've done is, is my mentor. But I think, uh, to me personally, and I use the word to me a lot. I, I, need, to, I need to stop doing that because I... It, sounds egotistical almost but when I say to me it means to us you know to 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 me and and and, and Miru and the kids and the family of, of Vidges and Rangoli that we do I think everybody meant anybody who has who does something passionately is my mentor so if you look at if you see Bono for example and you see him singing and he holds 19,000 people uh, captive with his singing and, and creates newer styles I think that's a mentor for me uh, if you see an artist that, that uh, sings or plays music uh, and captivates people and does that's a you know a motivator for me Gandhi was a motivator for me uh, you know Nelson Mandela was a motivator for me because those are people who have had uh, focuses and passions in what they believe in and purposes in life, and they follow through. And I think that is a motivator. So you have so many mentors in life. No, there's not one mentor in life. There's so many mentors in life. Uh, and you should constantly always have and say, I don't want to achieve what that person has financially, but I want to achieve what that person does to gain the respect of the other human beings. For me, respect is the an extremely important. And, and do you think when you get to a certain level of success, it becomes more difficult to look to others for um, advice and, and, and lessons? Or, or do you think it becomes easier? No, you should always be like a sponge in life. You should always be like a sponge. You should always be soaking it in. You, you can never say, I'm, I'm satiated, I'm full. You know, I, you should always be like, take advice, listen to people. It's great to listen to people and when people say, I, I think you're doing this wrong. Like, I, you know, I go on social media sometimes. I go on WhatsApp or I, I'll go on, um, on TripAdvisor and listen to what people are saying about me. And I'll reply back to them and say, hey, you know, thanks a lot for this thing. But I, I'm not quite sure what you meant by this. So I'm not quite sure what, I, what you meant. So... I think listening to people is, is an extremely important part. Uh, not knowing that you know everything, you don't know everything. And uh, broadening your horizons by, uh, you know, traveling and learning. Like I go to different parts of the world every year. This year I'm going to Vietnam and Cambodia. So going to different parts uh, and just like, you know, uh, being an osmosis is, is extremely important, I think. Okay. Very cool. So what are, what are some of, or what would you say are some of like your core beliefs, like your core values? Uh... My core beliefs. My core beliefs are, um, you know, be strong. Uh, you know, just uh, just learn to deal with adversity when it happens. I'm sure it will happen. Um, do not falter from your passion and your goal that you have set up for yourself. And biggest thing is just work hard, man. Just work hard. What else is there? I mean, if you're one of those guys who wants to sit in front of a television and flick channels, yeah. then chances are you're not going to lose that weight. Yeah. But if you're somebody who says, I'm going to get up and do something about it, 
then you got to do something about it. You got to get up and, and do it. So I, I would tell everybody, you know, when people think, they well, let's make a quick buck. The quick buck is going to come and the quick buck is going to go. Because m- money is like water in your hands. It never stays there. It just kind of flows away, right? It's, yeah. It falls off. Yeah. And so that's how money is. So either you, 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 you play with it and you, you, know, you, you live with the fact that, okay, money came, money left, money went, money left, but hard work is in your hands. You know, your fate is in your hands. I really do believe that these lines that you have on your hands are your fate. They're going to they're gonna make you successful or not successful. Very cool. And so do you have a, a memory of, of being or, or working at the restaurant that really sort of epitomizes what you, what you do here and, and sort of epitomizes the culture and, and everyday, everyday life at the restaurant? Well, I think one of the memories was uh, we don't take reservations at the restaurant. And, um, why, why is that? Uh, because I wanted everybody to be equal. Because Gandhi said we are all equal. And it doesn't matter how much money you have and who you are and why. Why is anybody a VIP? You know, you go to school to become a doctor, you should be called a doctor. You go to school to become a lawyer, you're called a barrister. But you don't go to school to become a VIP or, uh, or, or, a, or, a, or a celebrity. Like, who goes to school to become a celebrity? Why are you called a celebrity? You know, if you called somebody, you should have studied that designation right. in order to get to that I love point. that. It's sort of the democratization of food. Yeah, it's a, it's a democracy of, you know, of, of, of living and, 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 and letting live everybody else. So it doesn't matter whether you're a teacher or a nurse you should be given the same love and respect as somebody who's, uh, you know, who's an actor or, or, or a singer. Why, why, why is that person any more important than everybody else? You know, everybody has their own skills, and they're follow, following that. So quickly, who, who's the most famous person you've made wait in line? Who's the most famous? Well, I, so the story goes like this, is that the restaurant is open, it's busy, and, um, you know, Pierre Elliott Trudeau walks into this restaurant, and, and Justin... And the whole restaurant just turns around to see if I'm going to give him a table ahead of anybody else. And I don't. I take him to the back. He waits like everybody else for like around 20 minutes. At that time, it was not that busy. So 20 minutes, he waits. He eats the food. He sits down, eats the food. I bring out the food for him. Um, You know, nobody as a Canadian goes up to him and says anything to him. Nobody says, you know, Mr. Trudeau, I this or that. Like, they just leave him alone. I mean, he's... He's an iconic prime minister of this country. Um, and uh, he, he's leaving, and he's at this door right in the front here. And I touched his feet, and I said, Mr. Trudeau, I just want to say thank you very much for your policies in 1960s that allowed immigrants like me to come and be successful at, at what I do. And I thank you for it. And he kind of you know, picked me up and gave me a little hug and said, you know, I've had Indian food lots of times, and this is extremely delicious. That epitomizes that if... Pierre Elliott Trudeau can come to your restaurant and wait like everybody else does and, and, uh, and enjoy the passion and the food and respect what I've done. I think I, I felt like, okay, we are on, we are on the right track, that, that Miru's food is uh, delicious and my service and my, my passion in the front is, is the same. So it kind of just, you know, um, blocked it and felt comfortable with it and felt like wow this is this is it um most famous i mean i don't know i i think i don't know i famous again i, I don't i don't see it that way right i don't see um famous like uh, no who is who has been a great uh, i mean there are teachers who are not famous but they're probably super smart people so i don't see famous as uh, as 
who, whose name I should be giving. I think it should be like everybody that comes into the restaurant is a, is is famous and a VIP or a celebrity or whatever you want to call it as. Them. All right, uh, Man Talks Community. So we just wanted to take a minute to tell you about something that's really exciting. It's it's something that you know the entire team has been working on for quite a while. And it's something that the Mantos community has actually been asking for. Uh, you know, we put on monthly events and we get, you know, 150, 175 people out every month. And the community has really been asking for a full one-day event and for us to bring in some some great speakers and to, to host a big event. So that's what we've done. Um, we've, we've pulled together some pretty incredible speakers. And we have an event coming up on November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Center. So just to give you a quick idea uh, of who's coming to speak, we have uh, Brian Scrone, who is the founder of uh, Board Meetings. And he's going to be flying up from California to come and talk. He's spoken at Harvard and the Pentagon, which is pretty pretty incredible. Some top secret stuff probably happened there. Uh, we've got Philip McKernan, which if you know of Philip McKernan, he's a very powerful speaker. Uh, he's spoken on stage with the likes of you know, Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama and some other crazy, crazy people around the world. Um, we've got Daryl Cockty, the CEO of Kit and Ace. Uh, Daryl was fortunate enough to be the sixth employee at Lululemon and work his way up and is now founded uh, Chip Wilson's new company, which is absolutely incredible. Um, we also have Sachin Raha, who is the founder of Warrior Sage. We have uh, Jay Demerit, who is the ex-captain of the White Caps. And we have Brian Scudamore, who is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So we have some absolutely, absolutely amazing speakers, and we've worked really, really hard to, to bring you a, just a kick-ass quality event. So we really hope that you'll check it out again. It's called the Man Talks Intensive, and that is going to be November 7th at the Vancouver Convention Center. So for more details, just check out the uh, Man Talks website. And, uh, but Connor, you, but Connor... Yeah. You don't even need to go to the site right now and get tickets because we have a chance for you to win tickets to the event itself. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. All right. you need to do is post something that you think represents a modern man on social media, tag three friends that you think are kicking ass, and hashtag it Man It Forward for a chance to win two tickets to the Man Talks intensive event on November, on November 7th in Vancouver. Like Connor said, full details can be found at mantalks.com. All you need to do is post a picture, a quote, a video, just something that you think represents a modern man. Don't forget to tag three of your friends that you think are kicking ass, really, really showing what it means to be a modern man, and hashtag it, Man It Forward, for your chance to win two tickets to the Man Talk Intensive Event. Very cool. Awesome. Right, let's let's man uh, it forward, my friends. Man It Forward. <laughs> man It Forward. Let's get back to somebody who's definitely manning forward. Sorry, I, I I cut off your question. No. Maybe repeat what the question was there. No, that's okay. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Right. I don't remember. We'll just we'll just keep going. It's just, I mean, I mean, Pierre Pierre Trudeau is yeah. that's a pretty incredible story, and the the fact that you know he came in here and yeah, that that's amazing. I think what I would what I would want to ask next is probably along the lines of, you, you know, you're a very inspiring guy. I think just to sit across from you, you're very inspiring, and and just the way that you talk is. It's great. Like I, I just, I, you know, I, I automatically feel I wasn't having the best morning on the way in, here in the car. There's a lot of shit going on in, in my life right now. But it was, it's interesting to sit across from you and, and just feel uplifted mm -hmm. instantaneously. You know, just by having a conversation with Thank you. Thank so, you, and I, and I think, I think that's what uh, I hope you would inspire me to do when I'm having a shitty day. That you would give me. <laughs> 
that inspiration and I would wake up and say, okay, you know, I, I was sitting with these two guys and they kind of uplifted me as well. And that's yeah. life, right? This osmosis. And I think I, we should dedicate this whole uh, podcast or this thing, conversation to those two young boys, those immigrant boys in Syria that have uh, lost their lives in the name of freedom. I mean, look at this. What we thrive for in life is freedom. Freedom to express ourselves, freedom to be who we are, freedom to uh, be able to do what we want to do and to lose your life on that. You know, I mean, who wants to be a bird in a cage? Nobody does. You want to be soaring the skies. And those two young kids lost and their mother lost a, a beautiful life in name of freedom. So I think we should also respect freedom. Freedom is an extremely important part. Yeah. And what, what, what do you, on that topic, what do you think the world should, should do in response? Open the boundaries. <clears throat> Open the boundaries, man. I, I, you know, music has no boundaries. Birds have no boundaries. Animal kingdom has no boundaries. We human beings have created these boundaries. We have no reason to create these boundaries. We should be allowing people to come in and, and be successful. Obviously, you have to do it properly. You can't just let the floodgates open. You do it properly. But we should, as a humanitarian uh, aid, we should be allowing people to come in. Syrians, wherever they're flooding from, you know, England should take some, US should take some, Canada should take, New Zealand, Australia. And we should all share that because we are all human beings on this earth. And and uh, it's extremely important to, um, to allow... Uh, you know, immigration to happen and, and people are not coming out there because they want to steal your social system they're coming out here because they have a, a shitty life back home man, I fled that same country I fled India under that thing the only difference is my, my father could afford to pay me to be on a plane and not on a boat what's the difference? that plane could have come down and I would have been gone I would have been perished in the name of better life I would have life is so, so bad that they're willing to jump on a ship a rickety ship and put their not only their lives but their children's lives yeah. online because the chances are better that they're gonna you know gonna be in a better place and you know what the reason is because there's hope on the other side hope is the only thing that allows people to do that that hopefully if i get to that other level things will be okay for me that's what it is it's the hope and that's what we need so we need to give that hope that light to the people who are coming out there and i i would request all the politicians to say be human. This is not about terrorism or anything else. This is about allowing people to be able to just live their lives. There is so much um, poverty out there. And yes, there is terrorism, but that can be all combated if we allow them to have good lives. And, and as, a, as, a, as somebody who isn't a politician, what do you think the common man or woman can, can do? I, I think just keep the awareness up. I think keep talking about it. Keep dedicating things that you do so that people will always remember. Keep talking about it. Keep saying this is a cause. Because if you don't talk about it, then this thing will kind of just go away like news media does. When a wave comes onto the ocean, if there is a little piece of uh, crab on there, you know, it gets washed away if the, if the, crab, if the wave keeps coming back. We can't afford to have this uh, issue, uh, you know, washed away. We need to talk about it and say, wow, those two kids have gone, died in vain. Yes, many more die. And there are a lot of atrocities that happen. Point is, let, let, let's become human. So it sounds like those are some of the things that really inspire you because you, you just got pretty lit up by that. And it sounds like 
hope is something that is inspirational to you. On the other side, what, is, what are some of the things that are like really frustrate you? Like what, what gets to you? Prejudice. And my father is prejudice. I just had this huge conversation with him. Prejudice. Just, just because you have it right, this prejudice of like, why can't you do this? Why, this expectation of prejudice like, uh, or expectation. Why can't they do this? Dude, you've never been in those shoes to say, why can't you do this? If you've never been in those shoes, how the hell would you know? Yeah. Uh, prejudice, this expectation of, why can't, they, why can't they just you know, wait in line like everybody else does? Yeah. There is no system in Syria to really wait in line like this. You'll be waiting for 10 years before your turn will ever come up. So what's the easiest thing to do is to get on the board and hopefully come here faster. Yeah. That prejudice that's so quick to judge people and just not like, you know, when, when, we, when we opened up My Shanti, within two months people were writing things like, oh, it's not as good as Vijis, blah, blah, blah. It's like, really? This is a 24-year-old child and you're comparing that to a six-month-old child and saying it's not running properly. Right. How, how can you do that? Why should you? They're so quick, everybody wanting to... Do, and I, I allow the restaurants to take a little bit of a break and say, you know what, just, just take a break, figure it out, you know, as long as you're willing to learn and do something. So they're so quick of judgmental prejudice. This expectation bothers the shit out of me. You should have said this. You could have said this. Miru and I have this biggest fight. It's like, well, why didn't you say it this way? Fuck off. I can't say it that way because that's not who I am. Yeah. How can I say it that way? Yeah. It's the biggest issue that I have. And, you know, it's just prejudice, I think. I mean, I think that'll, that'll probably resonate a lot with, with the people that listen to this podcast, right? Because I think a lot of the people that listen to the podcast are very, very open-minded and, and are committed to, committed to growth. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely one of mine. Prejudice and, uh, and judgment is yeah. just one of the most infuriating things because, you know, you... You can, you can never really, really understand another person's journey unless you've actually lived it, right. which is impossible. I mean, it's not which really... Which is next to impossible. Yeah, it's next Chances to impossible. That you're never going to live that. So yeah. just stay in your own journey yeah. and stop the prejudice. Yeah. Stop arguing. Stay, yeah. stay in your own journey. I love that. Stay in your own journey. And it would be amazing to see what would happen if people actually opened themselves to the idea of learning from somebody else's journey, yeah. right? To actually being open enough to say, okay, these are the things that you've gone through. How can I educate myself right. better? Educate yourself, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, and and opinion, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> <laughs> the favorite saying. Um, so what are some of the, I think, you know, our listeners really look for resources sometimes. What are some of the, some of the books or learnings, you know, tools that have really helped guide you, whether it's a, a, a main book? Well, I, you know, um, it's funny. I, the first book I ever read of, like a self-help book, was by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And I, it's kind of amazing that how many times I've read that book and how many times it, it makes resonates on me uh, beforehand. But I think I've changed my uh, way of thinking rather than just reading books is uh, traveling to different places. For me, uh, traveling is the best form of uh, of uh, exploring yourself, spending some time with yourself, walking the beach if you have to, or walking somewhere, or being in a new space and, and creating uh, harmony with your own self is, I think, far more important to me. So I would not say to somebody, hey, just read a book and you'll, you'll wake up. I say, go travel. Uh, be somewhere for two hours, two and a half hours. Be outside, get some fresh air. Um, you know, uh, do whatever you need to do to take your mind off to do 
mainstream stuff. So yeah. just I think that's the most important part for me. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think like one of the one of the things that helps keep me really grounded and helps me grow is I'll take uh, like my own vacations along along with vacations with people that I really care about. So do you do you take family vacations and personal vacations? Yeah, so family vacations are always like going with the kids to show them around different parts of the world. So I mean the younger kids so they you know to go with them and hang out and go on hikes and stuff like that. Personal vacations are going to like uh, you know to India and Vietnam and Cambodia and go to people's homes and learning how to cook uh, Indian food and learning through the because I don't go there as a chef I go there as a student and say I want to learn this and I want to learn that and I want to learn how this is made and and come back and and um, and create menus from that that point of view. So um, what I'm getting at is that for me. Again, I keep saying for me, so you need to cut that off a little. <laughs> Use that word for me because it's like so egotistical and well, egocentric. We almost. are talking about you. Yeah, well, but it's a, it's a little bit of a. I think I think uh, just going to different parts of the world and learning from different religions and different areas is is a great uh, learning thing. So that to me is. Uh, think and grow rich or travel and grow rich so so in the last five years what's like one of the most memorable places that you've been to I think Turkey last year was an, a total eye-opener for me how that cradle of civilization almost you know with Egypt and Turkey how deep-rooted it was and how the Ottoman Empire was so rich and now it's all gone it's no different than our own life today that, you know, you may think that there is a, uh, there is, um, U.S. is a big, huge might and nobody can move it. And it is bullshit because in 5,000 years from now, there might be another country out there in Siberia that might be, a, 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 you know, a power of, or power of wealth, basically. Yeah. So it's like in today's moment, you think one person is the most powerful or one country is more powerful. But... In the whole scheme of things, it changes all the time, you know, and we, there'll be somebody who'll be studying, you know, roads one day, you know, like the way we were studying roads in Turkey and say, this is how they used to work. Oh, my God, it's so unbelievable that they are, <laughs> they're on, they have roads like this. Like, yeah. oh, my God, you can't believe. And I think, you know, we'll have, 5, flying, we'll have flying cars by then. Exactly. Yeah. We'll have flying cars or we'll probably have human beings that are going to be, you know, uh, flying themselves. So instead of walking, we'll be flying everywhere. And, uh, and, you know, you look at those things and it was so incredible to see how, you know, the, the whole civilization 5,000 years ago was different than than it is now yeah very cool well just to kind of switch gears you know i think this podcast is obviously geared towards guys and i know a lot of our listeners are women which is fantastic we thank you for being here um but i'm very curious you know what what is your sort of what does it mean to be a man to you in today's society maybe not 50 years ago or 100 years ago um but what does it mean to be a man today i think we men have to understand that women should be given equal rights. They are, they are equal like us. They are strong like us. They're powerful like us. They're smart like us. You know, and especially the fact that I have two daughters, I would say that do not think that you can treat my daughter uh, with any less respect. And I think the countries that, that um, don't give women the same right, uh, I think there's a fundamental uh, problem there. Um, due to religious reasons. And I come from a country in, like India where there is prejudices like this happening all the time. 
So I wouldn't, uh, I would say, uh, for me, being a man is like being a woman in this world. I, I think they are beautiful and they are uh, part of our lives and um, and they, they, we should be equal. We are not better than them, but we are not below them either. We men should also be like, okay, you know what, we're not, and it's just, it's a different dichotomy between, or different chemistry between us, but we are equal, absolutely equal. And I, I'll tell people that don't, do not think somebody can be lower or below. Do you think that, you know, in order to create that sense of equality, that, you know, for women to have true liberation, that we as guys kind of have to liberate ourselves from the sort of stereotypes that we have that we're better, that we need to overpower things or overpower people or... Well, if, if you look at history, we men haven't done the greatest of the jobs, <laughs> right? I mean, we've created wars, we've created lots of things. So let's maybe now the time has come to share this platform with women and and be equal with them and, and say, you know, because they bring in a huge different angle. So it should not be my way or the highway. It should be like, well, let's just divide it and see. I listen to you, you listen to me, and we'll listen to each other and, and let the world uh, create. And that's what Vijay's food is all about, you know. It's not just Miru's food or it's not just Vikram's food. It's our food. And, and I think it's important uh, for us to say that. And sometimes I get more attention because I'm the front of the house. But I have to share this platform with Miru. I, I would hate to uh, hate to say to anybody that I created this. I didn't create it. We created this. The women in the kitchen created it. The women in my Ridges and Rangoli kitchens created it. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the women in the kitchen? Um, what's 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 their, their history? The, the well, the woman on the right-hand side, Amarjeet, was actually my first dishwasher in 1994 when I first opened the restaurant up. And she's now the head chef of the restaurant. And if you look at them talking and at the back there, just camaraderie. It's just like a family. They're just hanging out and cooking the best food that they can for the for the people out here and the vision that they have. And and Miru is definitely that binding force that she's created, this beautiful harmony of um, of um, of people talking and working together. And and I can tell you that none of them have to go and see a shrink because they're each other's shrinks. <laughs> That's awesome. As, as we're sitting here, there, there's all these trays sitting out of foods that smell absolutely yeah. incredible. It's so amazing to get to see all the work that... And, and just so we're... It's, it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and what time are the doors open? Well, at 5.30. 5.30. So it's... it's And they've been going since, since what 6:30. time? 6.30. Wow. Yeah, so they, they'll go on from 6.30 in the morning till probably around 3 o'clock. They'll make all the dishes. We'll cool them down. We'll slow them down a little bit. And then in the evening, we'll come back and reheat them and put them back together again and, and, and serve them. So... You know, it's, it's a lot of labor of love. It's a lot, a lot of labor of... Uh, it's not just putting something together. Um, our food has never been uh, just something that gets put together. So it's been like, let's roast the spices, let's grind the spices. And it's a decision that uh, Miru and I had made uh, when we first opened the restaurant up that rather than cutting corners and rather than just doing things faster, we wanted to do things slowly. We wanted to take time to chop the onions, chop the garlic, roast the spices and what that happened was that the flavors were wow so when somebody ate it once they were like wow I really love this food I really want to create something new and different and that's what uh, was important to me so I think um, you know I can dedicate the fact that I can sit here and talk to you guys is is great but there is a team of you know 80 women who are roasting and grinding and putting their heart and soul into our cooking and I must you know dedicate my success to them you know, or our success to them. 
it's it's interesting. Like we. Uh, sometimes we ask, you know, what's the best piece of advice you got in business or in relationships or whatever the person's expertise is. But I think just from kind of chatting with you, I think that you you, you take a, a much more holistic approach to things. So I would say, you know, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to our listeners that could really impact any area of their respect. life? Respect. Respect your coworkers. Respect your people. Respect the people that you work with. Uh, don't think they're stupid. Don't think they're dumb. Think that they are, they're part of the whole, um, part of your whole cycle. And even if somebody's at the bottom of the totem pole, even if they're a dishwasher or whatever, they're as important part of your whole organization. So um, respect, I think, is, is extremely important. It's something that I learned a lot from Miru. You know, Miru was uh, very instrumental in that. Sometimes when you come from that man's world where there's, like, hierarchy and I'm the sous chef and I'm the chef and I'm this and I'm that, you know, and she was like, screw this shit. I don't understand this. You know, I don't want to do this because she never came from the restaurant industry. So she was, she was a, a breath of fresh air and clean air and, like, was like, whoa, this, this happened. So she, she was awesome. And, and where did you, like, where did Miru come into your life? Uh, after I'd opened the restaurant up in 1994 uh, on West Broadway, uh, Miru's mom and my mom were really good friends. And so they said, uh, you know, I was a loser because I was single and she was a loser because she was single <laughs> uh, at the age of 30 and had been previously uh, divorced both of us, they said, well, let's put these two losers together to see what happens. <laughs> and they did. So two yeah. minuses became a plus. That's uh, amazing. It's, yeah. like a, it's like a new way of e-harmony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Vigram, I, 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 I feel like we've touched on this already, but if you could choose any legacy to leave in the world, what would that be? Uh, I think I was thinking about this yesterday when I was walking uh, on the street. I said um, my legacy would be is I was, if I was walking homeless on a street with tattered clothes and, and long hair and, uh, you know, no teeth in my mouth and I was slightly alcoholic or whatever it may be, I would still want people to not judge me because of I'm looking poor or, or tattered. I would people want to say, you know, that man single-handedly changed the way Indian food is perceived in this country. That, to me, is my legacy. My legacy would be is the... Uh, the perception of what I did working-wise uh, in my industry and, and, and to, to create those things that I, I made people understand that Indian food is, is delicious and it's healthy and it's good. That's my legacy. I think that's the legacy I would want, want people to reflect me by. Not by that I was on Dragon's Den or I was doing these shows. Not by that. But legacy of, um, wow, that... that that the reason, and it's, it's funny because I was listening to CBC this morning, and I want to be called as, not called, but you know, I would be. It would be like father of modern Indian cuisine. You know, that's the legacy I would want to be known as. I'm the, we are the, we are the. Vijis is the father of modern Indian cuisine. That's the legacy I thought of, and it's funny because I was actually trying to write this down when I was when I was. Um, driving or say this and I said because father of a nation father of modern Indian cuisine sounds so um, so much respect and so much um, like you know like 
okay, you bow down to your father, you, you show him respect. And I think that's that's my legacy. That's what That would be the most important thing for me. Well, I, just as, as somebody who's grown up in this city, uh, I, I would definitely say that you are the father of Indian cuisine for Vancouver, Western Canada, and, and hopefully soon to be the world. You've, uh, you're, a, you're a true icon in the city, and, and uh, we really appreciate everything that you do. So we thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, before we go, what's one of the most exciting things these days that you're working on that you would like to let all the listeners know about? Well, first of all, I should say namaste to the listeners because I didn't say that. And that's my always been my signature uh, uh, welcoming thing to say namaste. So namaste to everybody, even though it's a little bit late. Um, the new things that I'm working on, well, the new Vigis is opening uh, probably in a month from now on, on Camby Street, which is going to be uh, an exciting thing. Uh, there are some new projects uh, that I'm working with with Loblaws to carry Indian food, and it took me two and a half years to convince Loblaws to carry Indian food in the main uh, section of the, of the room. So it'll be called Vigis Curries. So instead of buying... You know, uh, boiled uh, peas and boiled uh, green beans. You'll be actually eating Indian foods. Wow. Yeah. So, which is which is a big honor uh, there. It'll be across Canada. So all the Loblaws will have that those bars. I mean, it take two or three years to get to that point, but it'll 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 happen. It's so a big injection of vitamin V. Yeah. <laughs> it is a big injection of vitamin V. <laughs> VC, which is crazy. There you yeah. go. Yeah. 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 Um, and then uh, lots of other stuff, you know. I'm I'm uh, I'm always the kind of guy who's five things ahead. So you know, new bridges in Toronto uh, soon, probably in another uh, year from now. Uh, and so much going on. Like I I don't I don't sit back and on my laurels and say, okay, we've done this, it's fine. I I continue working towards something new, something exciting, something because it fuels me. It fuels me. I like that. I like. I actually thrive on stress. Like I thrive on stress. I I like stress. If I don't have stress, I'll go out and cause it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I, I I function and operate very much the same way. Yeah. It's like I need some shit to go down. Yeah, yeah. How can I? How? Yeah. yeah. I find it's 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 almost like the catalyst for for activation and action in in, in our lives. Sometimes it's like. You know, if you're, if you're stressed out, you got a lot going on, you're yeah. just going to take action towards yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And you're never going to sit there and say, okay, well, I've got nothing to do. Yeah, you take some time off. You know, you, you take a day off and you do nothing or you go, go for a walk and you chill out a little bit, relax. But I think work, work will keep you sane. Yeah. Not working is not. I, I mean, I don't golf. Yeah. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I have ADD. I mean, what the fuck am I going to do? What am I going to do uh, not working? Yeah. Right? So even if I had a lot of money, I would want to work. You know, and, and, and I, I, I believe that anybody, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you can take some time off, chill a little bit, but go back to work. It fuels you. Excellent. Very cool. And if any, any, any of our listeners want to reach out to Vikram, uh, they can do so on Twitter at Vidges underscore restaurant. On Facebook, just look for uh, Vidges. And on, of course, through his website, Vidges.ca. But I think one of the best ways that they can get in, you know, get a chance to, to speak to you or come out is come to one of your restaurants. Yeah. And you know, it's like I, I am on, on the floor. He's on the floor, I, If yeah. I'm in Vancouver... And uh, I'm in town. I'm on in my restaurants. I'm not staying at home. So I may be at my Shanti. I may be at Vidji's. I may be at you know at Rangoli. But I'm here. I'm on the floor. I'm not just uh, hanging out at home. And and the days I'm hanging out, I have the right to hang out as well. You know, I've paid my dues. Twenty five years have gone by now. Yes. Yeah, of uh, you know, it's a long time to to uh, 
to enjoy and I've enjoyed this journey every moment and I have to say this um, you know when I came here at that time people were not uh, educated enough about the cuisine they didn't know much about it and I think we have to also give the credit to the people because now they have traveled abroad they have gone to different parts of the world and they've come back and they're understanding so the respect is is uh, mutual that I, you know I, I've gotten the respect and the love I give it back to them because they have also broadened their horizons. The people have also understood. So it's not a one-way street. It's a, it's a it's an osmosis that has taken place, and it's a beautiful osmosis of cultures, flavors, ideas, uh, music. You know, and it's a democracy. Mm. Yeah, amazing. So before we end, is there any last thing that you would like to leave our listeners with? Uh, no, I think we've discussed. Uh, you know quite a bit in detail and uh, I would I would continue saying to people uh, show compassion to to others and um, enjoy what you do love what you do enjoy what you do and um, don't take things for granted do not take things for granted I mean I, you've heard these things before from, from lots of other people just need to put them in practice is important yes absolutely nice. amazing well thank you so much for being on the podcast my pleasure namaste namaste yes. and uh, for those of you that are that are out there in, in the Mantox land um, check out the podcast on mantox.com you can find us again at uh, on twitter at man underscore talks and you can find us on facebook at mantox uh, we do have a big event coming up on November 7th um, so if you want to check that out go to mantox.com uh, we have Brian Scudamore, the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, coming to speak. Uh, we have Dale Kopke, the CEO of Kit and Ace, coming to talk. And we have Jay Demera, the ex-captain of the Whitecaps, coming to speak, along with three or four others. So you won't want to miss it. It's going to be an amazing event, November 7th, at the Vancouver Convention Center. And uh, we will see you next week. 